Welcome to the podcast today. Glad you're with us. We have Vodi Bakum with us today. Some of you are familiar with his ministry. He's having a huge impact around the world. A most recent book called Fault Lines uh, is causing quite an uproar and a stir. A stir. He's controversial, but he's godly. He's profound. He's biblical. He has spiritual gravitas. Uh, he's a true man of God. Uh, agree or disagree with some of the stuff that he says, that's up to you. I tend to agree with most of it and uh, just re- really thrilled to be able to talk with him today. We're going to take a short break from the series we've been doing on the Gary Wilson podcast uh, about the renovation of the heart for kingdom leaders uh, because we had this rare opportunity to have uh, Vody uh, on this. He is in the middle of preaching at a very large conference on the West Coast right now. He's taking a break from that schedule to be with us. So we're glad to welcome Vody Bakum with us. Uh, Vody, thanks for joining us today. Really glad. I hear you're kind of busy at the Shepherds Conference, uh, doing a lot there and preaching tomorrow. So you, uh, you're pretty busy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been really busy. Been here for a few days from Lusaka and did a uh, an expository preaching workshop first couple of days. Shepherds Conference last night and today and tomorrow. So yeah, it's a busy time. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, I'm sure everybody's asking this first question you get every time you're being interviewed. Uh, your health is, uh, you look good. Your, your health is good. Yeah, man, I'm doing well. You know, I'm. Uh, it's been interesting these last few weeks because everything really happened uh, starting a year ago, February, and the first heart surgery was at the end of February last year, and the last heart surgery was at the beginning of April last year. So. You know, a lot of anniversaries going on right now, but um, I, I'm doing great, man. They 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 fixed they fixed my problem. Excellent, good. Uh, that's amazing what they can do now. You uh, you're able to go back to? Uh, I saw that you do. Is it jujitsu? Is that what you're doing, or is it something other? Yeah, type of- yeah, yeah. I'm able to do everything I was doing before. Okay. Um, so yeah, everything's okay. good. So when you get in the, on the mat against your opponents, they're not feeling sorry for you because they know you had a. Had, had a heart problem or that they see the gray in your beard and they're, they're are they slowing down or are they still trying to take you down? Yeah. Fear the beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And uh, you have nine kids. Do Are any of them taking jujitsu with you? Yeah. The, the seven youngest that are still at home, you know, all, yeah. all of them are part of our, our academy. And um, so, yeah, yeah. It's a jujitsu yeah. family thing. There you go. That sounds fun. Yeah, if you get in arguments, you got to watch out for the, whoever's the, the, the furthest along in the black belt. I was uh, doing a little research this interview today, and I, I came across an article. I don't know if you remember that your daughter wrote an article for Gospel Coalition, I believe. It's been a while, 2018, and she was talking about being Vody's, Vody's little girl or something like that. That, that touched my heart. Uh, we've talked a couple times. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of my father, David Wilkerson, the guy that wrote Crossing the Switchblade. Uh, so that's my, that's my dad. And so when I was listening to your daughter talk about that, I related so well, you know, just being like, yeah. my, my grandson's not like my son or my, my uh, wife's son. Uh, he's, he's Dave Wilkerson's grandson. Uh, I just heard him speak at a conference in Florida recently, and it was, they introduced him as, uh, you know, David Wilkerson's grandson. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but she sounds brilliant and you must be really proud of your children. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, God's been good, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's an amazing thing, and that's I mean, really, it's what it's all about. From the time that the Lord gives you uh, your children, there's a stewardship, and our desire is for them to grow up and to become, you know, independent and to depend not on us but on the Lord and to be used by Him. Um, and so it's it's uh, it, it's an exciting thing, and it is difficult. You know, I, I I get that it's it's difficult, you know, for them. 
Um, but I tell you what, uh, what a privilege it is to have a legacy, you know? Um, and so I, I better to, better to try to figure out how to, to live with the heavy burden of a legacy than to try to figure out how to, you know, create one from scratch. That's right. Yeah. One of my coworkers, his, his story, he's, he's kind of well known too, but all, all of his dads and uncles and stuff are, uh, are notor notorious criminals. So, and he got saved miraculously. So he's, you know, he's happy to, when he hears my legacy or, or some, some like your kids, uh, speaking of family, then, um, your, you know, your ministry has had an impact around the globe, uh, particularly sort of that hearty stalwart gravitas towards keeping the gospel first. Jesus is the center. Uh, but you're also been, you're really known as a family man too. Uh, can you talk to a little bit about what it's like to be a dad who's really trying to get your nine kids uh, all serving Jesus? Uh, what are some of the ingredients you did? Uh, what are some of your successes? Maybe even if you don't mind being vulnerable and share maybe the biggest struggle you ever had with any of your kids. Yeah, it's, the interesting thing about it is the weight and the magnitude of it. I mean, that, that's the first thing I remember, you know, when I first born, you know, came home from the hospital and like a lot of people, I was just stunned that they were allowing us to leave with her, you know, <laughs> um, because we didn't, we didn't know what we were, what we were, we were doing. And did they do the, did they do the shake the, don't shake the baby video? Did you remember that? <laughs> you know, I, I, we had a very interesting thing. Again, our firstborn comes home. Um, I was 21. We, we come home with the baby and then we get a call from the hospital that they forgot to do the heel prick oh. you know you do the heel prick and the blood yeah. type and the footprint or whatever yeah so here i am i've got to take you know my wife can't go back I, I have to take her put her in the car take her put back to the hospital they do the heel prick she screams i'm crying oh, yeah. and <laughs> bring her you know, uh, to the house. And I, I, that was sort of a microcosm of, of, of what it's been like, right? Um, this overwhelming sense of my responsibility and my inadequacy um, and, 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 you know, just living in that tension between I have this duty and responsibility and I am not up to this task. I'm dependent on the Lord. And so we do everything that we know to do, right? all the while recognizing that we are utterly dependent upon the Lord. Does what I'm doing matter? Yes, what I'm doing matters. But at the end of the day, um, it is God. And it is what God will do in the, in the life of, of this child, you know, nine times over. Um, and so for me, my, th th that's the weight, right? And the, the temptation is, for us to take too much credit for the successes or the failures. And so on the one hand, you know, when something happens, we have that tendency to say, you know, yes, we did what we were supposed to do and look at what the Lord did. But on the other hand, there's that tendency when something doesn't go the way that we, we, we desire for it to go, where we say, oh, what did I do wrong, right? And in both of those instances, we're taking on ourselves something that's not ours, right? Um, the, the, the greatest successes that my children experience, they experience, you know, by God's grace and not because of anything that I did right. Cause on my best day, 
I didn't do everything right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so for me, in a nutshell, I don't know if that kind of answers your question, but for me, in a nutshell, that's been the picture. And so I didn't grow up with my father. You know, my wife and I, last two generations, both sides of our family, 25 marriages, 22 divorces. Um, the overwhelming majority of the kids in my family are born out of wedlock, something like 80-something percent, you know, born out of wedlock. And so for me, there's been this sort of ongoing desire to learn how to be a husband, how to be a father from God's word and from those believers that he put in my life, you know, who've, who've, who've done that well. And my writing about marriage and about family doesn't come from a place of me saying, hey, you know, I got this. So let me tell you guys, you know, how to do this. No, it comes from a place of me saying, you know, I've been groping around in the dark and the Lord has been gracious to me. Let me be one beggar telling the next beggar where I found bread. Amen. Wow. I love that. That's without having a father yourself. You grew up in South Central L.A. You probably saw some rough stuff growing up. And then all of a sudden you're cast into the role of a father, a preacher, a pastor. Did, did you see the gospel like a lightning bolt? Uh, you know, I know the scripture says, you know, old things pass away and all things become new. We want to have confidence and faith in that. But, but sometimes I wonder, like, you know, somebody without a father, somebody without any history, of, like with your background, does it kind of just switch like that and all of a sudden you're a good father and you're sanctified and or, or that, or is it more like you get saved, but that doesn't change everything. You're still, you know, because like I, I, this was never modeled to me. So how do I, yeah. you know, when, when my son is yelling at me or something, how do I, yeah. Where, where, what's your take on that? Yeah. I'll tell you when I get there. Okay. You know? um, yeah, no, not lightning bolt, okay. um, ongoing journey, man. And it's interesting because, you know, the spread for our kids, we have kids from, um, you know, 31 down to eight. And so it's interesting how the older kids will tell the younger kids, yeah, way better parents than we had. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> <It's> just <mean>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were the older ones were the practice kids, right? Yeah. Um, but, so it's interesting to even see that. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's said tongue in cheek, but there is some some truth to that. There is there is reality there. Um, it would be horrible if I was not a better father and my wife was not a better mother to our now eight-year-old than we were when our 31-year-old was eight years old. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, and you get better at it, you know, as you do it. So by God's grace, you know, better today than yesterday and better tomorrow than today. Yeah, that's so good. Amen. The, the, um, you're, you're teaching on, uh, or, you're, or you're in a seminar there, you're doing some stuff on, on, on preaching and teaching. Uh, there, in your teaching and preaching, here we are talking about, you know, being transformed from our histories, you know, being healed from our past, uh, in expository preaching and stuff. What do you think the role of uh, vulnerability is? Like, do you tell stories about your childhood? Do you tell stories about failures as a father, or or do you try to stay away from that and just stick to the scripture? Yeah, I I, I try to stay away from that and make that something that is um, situational. Uh, some, what do you, some, what do you mean by that? Well, some, well, 
there are maybe times when that fits, when that's appropriate. You know, here at the Shepherds Conference, I shared um, some of those things. And there may be times, you know, when, when that's appropriate. But um, I, I try to make it a rarity, yeah. you know, because it's very easy to lean on those sorts of things. And what I don't want to do, I don't want to preach myself. Right. I want to preach Christ. And a lot of this for me comes from the way this all started for me. You know, I was, I was playing football when, when God called me to preach and, you know, all of a sudden I started getting opportunities to go and speak places because I was a football player. And, you know, most of my illustrations, I was a relatively new believer. So most of my stories and illustrations were about, you know, sports and, you know, people would bring me in because of, of my sports background or whatever. And I had somebody early on to say to me, you're not going to be a football player forever. Right. And if your ministry is built on you being a football player, your ministry is going to be short lived. It's mm, good. And that just resonated with me, man. And I just wanted to make sure that when people heard from me, they were hearing expositions of biblical text and proclamations of the gospel. I didn't want people going away saying, wow, what an amazing guy. Yeah. I wanted them to go away saying, wow, what an amazing Savior. Amen. Beautiful. Um, change gears a little bit here. Uh, and thanks for sharing that, what you just shared with us. The um, Talk more about like, the, the national scale of things. Um, you know, we, we seem to be living in a... In a, in a let me back up a little bit. Since I was a little kid growing up in the church, I've always heard, you know, these are the last days and perilous times are here and we're in that season of wars and famines and earthquakes. And I, I kind of got cold towards it a little bit, almost like I hear that every 10 years, like this is the worst the world's ever been. And now here I am, I'm almost now re-believing re it in a sense that, that we really are in uh, in some difficult times. So I was just going to ask you, you know, you, you travel all over the world. You, you, you teach at a seminary in uh, Lusaka. Uh, but you do conferences, you're, you're in front of pastors all around the world, you know, day after day, week after week. What do you feel is the spiritual condition of uh, the American culture? Uh, are, are we, I think it was, you know, the pastor there, Shepherd's Conference that John MacArthur talked about, you know, the, it almost sounded like he was saying, I think he thinks it's too late, you know, that, that we're, we're you know, the Romans won, we've been given over uh, yeah. uh, to our sin. Um, do you? Uh, I don't want you to agree or disagree with John, but just yeah. just the idea of where we're at spiritually as a nation. No, you know it's interesting. Um, no civilization lasts forever. Right. Um, there's only one kingdom that lasts forever, and kingdoms wax and wane. But but I think the interesting and unique thing for Americans is that we're spoiled. Um, you know, there've been more. You know, martyrs, yeah, you know, there are more martyrs in the 20th century than in the previous 19 combined, right? But for Americans, we don't get that. We don't understand suffering. We don't understand opposition. We don't understand difficulty. And it's not because we're particularly soft people. It's just because we're particularly blessed people. And the legacy that we have is unlike really anything that, that, that people have seen throughout most of history. And I think because of that, we we were lulled into this thinking that, you know, our our culture, our society, our country um, was the be all to end all and, and was somehow untouchable. And so now, you know, when things are being shaken up and, and when we're seeing, you know, some of the things that most Christians 
have experienced, you know, tenfold for most of Christian history. Um, you know, we're running, you know, running around with our hair on fire, um, like the sky is falling. Uh, this is life. This is the sin sick world that has existed since the fall. Um, you know, our, 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 our hope is for a city whose builder and maker is God, right? Our hope is for a kingdom that is yet to come. And I think what happens is we learn or, you know, we come to depend on this kingdom called America that we thought couldn't be shaken. And we're being reminded now that that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I, I agree with you that we're not in a, we've been blessed and we're, you know, we shouldn't be whining and murmuring like, oh, how bad America is when, you know, you've been in some of those countries I've been in, uh, you know, that, that are really some rough places, Middle East and it's stuff. It's still the best. It's yeah. still the best that there is. Yeah. It's still the best in the world. I, you know, Americans, you know, we complain and everything, right? And, you know, we, we, we want to look like the grass is greener somewhere else. You know, newsflash, 95% of all Christian books are still published here. Wow. The greatest seminaries in the world are still here. Yeah. The greatest churches in the world are still here. Mm. And for American Christians, you know, as much as we complain, you know, there's no mass exodus um, mm. because nobody can point to any place that they'd rather be. Wow. Yeah. The the um, the thing that makes me pause, though, a little bit with what you're saying, not not to disagree with you at all, but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm aligned to what you're saying. What concerns me, though, is like, you know, if, you, if we were a CEO of a large corporation and say, you know, for the last 50 years, we've been the top seller of our buttons we make or whatever. Uh, but it's now we're down 50%. And but we're still saying we're still the top, you know, it, it concerns me that we might get complacent and say, you know, um, you know, we don't see this, uh, you know, like, I think for the first time now, that's like 20% of Americans say they have no spiritual affiliation and the church is in decline. And again, that's, yeah. that's not that, you know, we're grateful for all that God's done for us. And we, we can't see ourselves as we're not the city set upon a hill, like you're saying, but at the same right. time, it does. Does it not concern you at all that that there's, like, are are you quite content and happy when you travel around and the churches seem to be fine and the cities seem to be doing okay? And yeah, here's the thing about a country as huge as America, right? I go places like you know, right now I'm at the Shepherds Conference. You know, I'm here at Grace Community Church, and praise God for this place and for this ministry, right? Praise God for the faithfulness of, of, of John MacArthur for 53 years. I mean, it's incredible. But at the same time, you know, you ride around the city <laughs> and there are, there are churches that are dying. There are churches that, you know, were here and were strong 53 years ago that are not, to, you know, today. Um, and so it, it is. It's, it's a mixed bag. Um, but that's always been the case, right? And it will be the case and, and, until the Lord returns. Um, so I think what we have to do is we have to recognize that we are called to labor, right? None of us is called to be complacent. We are called to labor. We are called to, you know, to, to, to till the soil, you know, to plow the field and to continue to do it until he comes. When we look up and we see those, you know, beautiful and magnificent things that the Lord has done, we pause and we thank him. And then we put our shoulders to the plow and continue to do the work because yeah. it's not finished. No, it's not finished. So, so you sound 
uh, I'm grateful for uh, you sound optimistic. You sound hopeful, which is you know, biblically we should be hopeful. Uh, in, in your, I think if I'm not mistaken, your your book Fault Lines, you know, it has that subtitle "Looming Catastrophe," uh, and so you know the, the, where we are now is not as bad as some other countries, but yet at the same time, it, it seems like you're predicting a looming catastrophe. Is that? Worldwide, or you, were you thinking more of the United States at that point? Yeah, I, I'm thinking the United States, but you know, when America sneezes, the world catches a cold, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the answer is yes to both of those things. Yeah. And that catastrophe, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, our, that book came out last year in April, and and even by the time it was published, that catastrophe wasn't looming. That catastrophe's here. Yeah. We're seeing that catastrophe now. Right. Um, you know, there, there are there are churches that are in serious trouble. There are churches that are splitting over these issues. There are men whom, you know, we've been blessed by and have counted on for decades um, who have now compromised um, and fully imbibed this false teaching, this heretical view of the critical social justice movement. Um, so, yeah, that catastrophe is here. Okay. And what... It- and what's it, what, what does the catastrophe look like? Just churches being split? Uh, yeah, the catastrophe is churches being split, families being split, yeah. people's faith being shipwrecked. The catastrophe yeah. looks like, you know, faithful men, you know, again, who've been faithful for decades, who are not being faithful right now. Um, denominations that are, you know, that are shipwrecked. Um, I mean, that catastrophe is here and that catastrophe is real. Yeah. Uh, but newsflash this is not the first catastrophe, right? right. Um, you know, men like Machen faced the same thing, yeah. you know, um, Spurgeon and the, you know, the downgrade. Th- yeah. This is, this is not new. It wasn't the end then. It's not the end. Now we're going to face other catastrophes. Yeah. And do you think there'll be a reversal, like uh, coming out of a catastrophe into a, an awakening? Uh, always, yeah. you know, I mean, always <laughs> until the Lord returns, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that that's 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 the way it has been and and that's the way it will be that's 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 the way these cycles happen you know yeah yeah so you're uh you stay enthusiastic about the gospel and about preaching and about the about ministry and uh none of this stuff even though you're writing books on some really catastrophic issues uh, yeah, you, yeah. you don't get do you ever get discouraged do you ever get absolutely uh, yeah. what's, what's that look like what, what, tell, tell me about your discouragement man I get tired of fighting man I get tired of fighting yeah. you know, people, it's, it's interesting you know when when ministers have and again everybody has different callings right the, the way I like to say it is everybody has a different wall that they're called to sit on right a, a, a different post yeah. that they're called to man and a lot of times when people see um those of us who are called to man uh, a particularly hot post, yeah. those of us who are engaged and embroiled in battle, the, the natural tendency is to think that we just like fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I I don't particularly like being a man of war. <laughs> I want peace, yeah. you know? I mean, I, 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 I want peace. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if you want peace and battles are brought your way, then you fight those battles, not because you love battles, but because you want to win for the sake of peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I do. I, I do get discouraged. I get tired. I get worn out. I get beat down. Yeah. Um, but 
like, listen, man, we, we have hope we because do. the king is coming. Yeah. Amen. How, what, uh, what role does your wife play in your ministry when you're fighting these battles and you're getting, you know, you're getting arrows flung at you from left to right? What role does your wife have in helping you? Yeah. I mean, you know, she, she helps me to stay grounded and to be grounded. And she's the one who will look at me and say, you know, hey, uh, I love you. And I'm glad you got all those wars going on out there. But, you know, seven kids still at home. Let's go. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we got we stuff to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, seven kids at home is is a war enough, I would think. And sometimes, you know, yeah. and uh, so, so would she be inclined to tell you, you know, don't fight every battle, um, pick your battles well, or would she be, or is she more sort of like, oh, yeah. here's your sword, go out there and get them? Oh, no, 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 no. Just, you don't have to fight them all. You know, right. You don't have to fight them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What uh, last question for you? And I'll, I know you got tons of stuff to do there and you're in the middle of a, probably one of the busiest weeks of your life. Um, what would, what kind of advice would you give uh, to leaders, Christian leaders who are in the battle now, who are wanting to see, you know, God move, wanting to see a spiritual awakening, wanting to see this hope that you're talking about here today. Are there some things that we could do to further that? You know, I think one of the things we need to do is is be students of history. Hmm. I mentioned Machen and and Spurgeon and you know and and others. There, th- these things happen, and 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 God is always victorious. You know, his 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 truth always prevails. The kingdom of God is undefeated, yeah. and I think it's very important for us to remember that for two reasons. Number one, you know, the kingdom of God is undefeated. So I need to remember that so that I'm not discouraged, so that I don't believe that this is going to be a defeat. But number two, I need to remember that because in order for me to win, I need to be on the side of the kingdom and not on the side of me, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, think, I think we need to hold that tension because there is that tendency, you know, for me to try to vindicate myself, for me to try to win victories for myself, for me to try to advance my own agenda. And, and I, I can't do that because my, my agenda will fall, but the kingdom is undefeated. So I fight the kingdom's battles and the king will always win. And I don't need to be discouraged as long as I'm fighting the kingdom's battles. Yeah. Wow. Profound. Uh, thank you, Vody. Appreciate that so much. And we'll put a bunch of links into your books and uh, people are already reading them and following them. But uh, grateful you could take the time in the midst of all you're doing. And uh, God bless you and keep up the good work. Keep fighting the good fight. Yes, sir. You too, my friend. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ.